What's up, guys? It's L, and I'm back with the GenSpec podcast. And uh, boy, what a learning journey this has been! So eventually, we're going to have a full video set up, which is really exciting. Even including back a backdrop that looks pretty sweet. Nothing too over the top. Just a way to, you know, keep it real from me to you, and a way that you can see. Um, same mic setup, same everything. And that's the main key is just a real unfettered, high fidelity line of communication from me to you. So we can discuss things that are interesting to everybody and also so I can impart my ideas on you. But it's a dichotomous and uh, symbiotic relationship. So it's like that one Eastern saying, the teacher and the student together create the teaching or something like that I butchered it so let's talk a little bit about a man named Dan Kennedy which obviously he's not a fashion designer or a fashion model or fashion icon he's not even really a celebrity but he puts out a series of books called no bs and he's a big I guess you could say advocate I think he is like, I would say he's a pioneer of what's called direct marketing. So, you know, if you start on any sort of venture, including one that's, let's just say, okay, it's public facing. And at the end of the day, there's something that you can monetize. There is a means of making a sale. And with Lambdog and with even this, as content, this podcast, whatever we put up, social media, articles that get written, you know, unless they have a a clearly defined end goal, which in any sort of commerce, any sort of online business transactional world, it means that you're making a sale. It means that someone's putting the details of their debit or credit card into your platform. Maybe you take external payments by a company like Stripe or, you know, you take, you accept PayPal. Maybe it's what's called point of sale, which is that you just take the payment directly. So the platform that I use, it um, is a point of sale. It takes, you know, the debit or credit card information it charges the person for their merchandise and then it charges a shipping fee so we uh, right now we have merchandise and there's always you know that's something that's always very fluid but it's something i'm really proud of actually it's a like it's a large collection there is even stuff that is non-t-shirts so in my head before this was any sort of on the ground it was very just conceptual and um, I always, even as a younger person, um, would look at t-shirts in particular and say, oh, well, I know 
what I would want to see on a t-shirt and even things like the positioning of where it would be. And there are a lot of people that have those same thoughts and believe me, they have made that aware to me when I mention the platform that I use or show them some of my designs. Everyone has a an idea, which is great. Kind of like, you know, um, a lot of people have ideas for things that they would cover on a podcast, for example, you know, and I never really wanted a podcast in that sense. I never was like, oh, here's something that I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about on a podcast until it dawned on me that it was something that was necessary. And you might be asking yourself, well, why would that be necessary? Well, if you have a finish line, a point of sale, an end goal, what they call in marketing, a conversion action, then all of your stuff theoretically would point towards that. So one of the things that I want to get into today is I want to talk a little bit about what I've been working on and also dispel maybe a couple of myths that, you know, the longer you you study marketing, which is what I've been doing for, I would say, almost about two years, the longer you do that, the more you realize what are the staples, what are the mainstays and stuff. And there's an article that I wrote about this on my Substack where you start to hear the same things over and over and you're like okay well where's the like where's the secret where's the meat and potatoes where's the juicy stuff and you start to realize well they've been telling it to me all the t- all this time and part of it is turning off your consumer side of your brain and the other side is kind of also coming reconnecting with the side of yourself that tunes out a lot of marketing um, because we're bombarded by it. That's something that a lot of people, everyone knows in this industry. It's constantly, we're constantly bombarded with ads and sales pitches. And then there's even stereotypes, you know, the pushy salesperson. They're saying that the longer you stay in the sales world, you start to hear and they become kind of cliche, like, you know, people buy from people they know and trust. Uh, or I think it's buy from people they know and like is the saying, you know, or things like feel good, um, look good, feel good, sell good, you know, these stuff that you, these things that you hear on the sales floor when your manager is trying to hype you up. Um, in marketing, there are a lot of things that are kind of like that, you know, like you have to have a defined audience. It's like, oh, well, no, duh. But then the more you look into it and the more that you hear that and, you start to, you're like, well, I just, I know what I like on sales copy or, you know, I can imitate what I've heard on the TV, which by the way, anyone can do, you know, uh, well, people that know me and, uh, you know, we talk about this, this world, um, everyone can imitate the sales copy voice. It sounds kind of like, you know, had a real long day. We understand. That's why we invented the number one nutritional chocolate bar. Indulge your fantasies with Nutra chocolate. You know, everyone kind of knows that shtick and they can do it. But even though people are aware of it, that doesn't mean that they can necessarily craft good copy, good effective copy. And one of the things that I've learned as a copywriter is that a lot of what you want to say, a lot of when you sit down and, and go to put stuff to paper, 
all, all the cliche stuff comes out that is what wants to come out you know and you start to say stuff that you've probably seen before and just internalized so for times when I've had to um, or I should say gotten the opportunity to market let's say something that's like a spa or um, a um, you know personal health care type of facility which I have and I still do currently you know, you, you tend to fall into the same patterns where it's like, you know, become the best version of yourself, you know, um, or, uh, there was one that I did recently where it was a, um, it's like some sort of therapy, but it's like, they do, um, almost like a chiropractic type of thing. But, um, I think less of the popping and the herky jerky. I think it's more just like a, like they stretch you on you. And uh, the copy that I submitted and um, also went up, it was accepted for when I submitted it to the publisher, to my manager who was in charge of publishing me, was, you know, it said, what do you need to let go of? And then something about our professionals, let, let our professionals help you. But most of it is, it can tend to come out as just the, the stuff that, the cliche stuff, the stuff that people would automatically do if they're doing an imitation and so we want to dispel some myths about that so we're keeping and we're going um so okay there's a book by dan kennedy and a woman named kim walsh phillips and i've mentioned it before um, and, um, so direct marketing is essentially not advertising. It is where you're directly marketing someone. Most of the time it's in print, but of course now with, um, now that everything's digital, of course, email, social media, um, there are still aspects about that. And so you might've actually found yourself on what's called a, um, it's called a landing page, you know, or a sales, uh, sales funnel page. And they tend to be really long. I just saw one yesterday that got sent to me via email for like a self-development course. And they're really long and they follow a structure, which is that you are scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And there's like buttons to go in and buy the product, you know, so you're, sell you're, you're scrolling and you're being sold to. So it's like, you know. Um, you know, if you're not seeing the results that you want to see, I'm, I'm going to give you kind of like a the gist of what is being pitched in, in especially these types of emails. It's like, are you tired of not? And there's a formula to this, which Kim Walsh Phillips points out, you know, it's like you pull up their pain point, right? So it's like, oh, are you tired of not getting the results that you know that you put the hard work in for? I was too. That's also part of the formula. It's like um, a verbalization of the fact that their pain is your pain. But, you know, people don't really go through and think about it like that unless they're, like, really sleazy. And, hey, if that is their cup of tea, then by all means. But I think a lot of copywriters try to to come at it not in, in a humanitarian way or anything. We just don't want to be cheese balls and slime balls and sleazy. And um, But regardless, it's it's funny because... A lot of human psychology goes into it. You know, the reason why there's all these these points where, okay, they're not convinced yet, so you're going to talk to them a little bit more. The formula usually goes, okay, like, you know, you're bringing up the 
the pain point or whatever, which again, I don't always do because I don't think it's always necessarily constructive. Um, you know, the stuff that I am pushing for, um, I would say my own branding purposes is more artistic. It's more design oriented. So if you look at things like a fashion show, you know, if you watch the Versace fashion show with, um, it's in, uh, Spring, summer 2023, uh, which I really, really recommend. And Paris Hilton makes a cameo at the end. They're not hard closing people. They're not even pitching. You know, they're at the point where they are just like, hey, here's our clothes. They're awesome. They're expensive. Everyone's excited to be there. Celebrities are there. I mean, they have surpassed the need to, to really, you know, try to hard close somebody. So, and there's all these myths about brand building as well, you know, where when you look at something like that, it's like, well, I'll just go ahead and recreate that. But if you don't have the brand and you don't have the budget, then it actually doesn't make sense. So coming back to the sales copy, sales funnel page, landing page, they pitch you and then they, they, um, so what we were saying was not everyone approaches it that way. And that's fair enough. But let's say they're going super formulaic. Their next thing would then be if you haven't been sold yet. Okay, well, maybe you need to be eased in a little bit. Maybe you need a little bit more, a little bit more reassurance. So then you'll, then you'll see this, I, I bet, when you go out and next time you run into one of these heels, you'll see the same formula. You'll see either badges for, that show other companies have worked with them or can vouch for them, or you'll see uh, testimonials. You'll see testimonials. And sometimes they use stock imagery, which I currently work for a company that does this. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But um, you run the risk of, of coming across as in, inauthentic. And I think most of the time people are, if they want your product, they're going to be like, you know, I don't care that these are fake pictures, you know. It's like if you're watching a TV show or a commercial, they'll make something that says it's a dramatization. And most people are like, well, hey, you know, this isn't the real footage. How do I know this is, you know, they go along with it. They suspend disbelief. So here's another thing that you've probably seen. But I'm going to put some terminology to it. It's called a lead magnet. And in this book, that uh, I'm gonna go grab here in a sec. It's a Dan. It's the Dan Kennedy and the Kim Walsh Phillips book that's called the uh, No BS Direct Marketing uh, Brand Building for Social Media. No holds barred series. So she calls it a lead mag magnet. Something that I really like, which is called your juicy carrot, like a carrot at the end of the stick. And again, now that we're mentioning it, I guarantee you, you'll see it all over the place. So what it is, is it's something that is valuable in and of itself. And that is something that you would think people are willing to pay for. But you're going to give it to them for free in um, exchange for their email address. Okay, so you get the email address. Okay, now they're in your funnel. But without that lead magnet, it's a lot 
riskier of an ask to be like, I mean, I don't even think people would do that, you know, like, oh, just give me your email address. It's like, who the hell are you? And when you, you know, once I started learning about this and about how important it was to start generating leads by getting their email address, I started realizing how, how often a company asks for it. So like, let's say I want to go pick up my prescription, you know, I need to go get my prescription medicine. So I'm going to have to log in. I'm going to have to create an account for Walgreens. Then if I go to HEB, you know, it's our grocery store here. Um, and I want to use their coupon app. I have to create an account. You know, now they have my email address. Now, the art of getting out of the spam folder and even getting open and getting read through and getting clicked, that's a whole another art. But the part that I think is really... Um, something that I think anyone can just get a lot better at and get good at and that I really enjoy as a form of communication um, is sales copy. And it's kind of interesting because it is like the, it's like the Siamese twin of storytelling. Okay, so let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's say I want to tell a story and I do, I, I actually didn't write this weekend, which is unusual, or publish anything in my Substack, but it's because I was working on this other project. So let's say I want to tell a story. You know, that's a little bit different than um, than pitching something as, as a sale. A story is your retelling of these different events that happened and your descriptions of it. You know, like I'll tell you a story that, you know, earlier I went to this library. It was called, well, I won't give you the name, but uh, it was a library that it was obviously geared towards children there was like teen stuff all over the place there was there was kids running around um, but I needed a quiet place to just sit and focus and they have free wi-fi have a place I could plug my thing in my laptop in I didn't need food I didn't need drinks I didn't need a starbucks I just you know needed a table and a plug and wi-fi and so I sat down and I started working, and I worked for maybe an hour, two, th- two hours, probably not three. And then, and I could go on about the background noises that I was hearing. It was, it was an interesting experience. The door squeaked when it opened, and it made this really funny video game sounding noise. Um, and I just imagine the people that work there that have to hear that all day, they probably start to tune it out. So that's a little story that I just told, which is also true. But let's say I want to sell you on something, you know. Nowadays, a lot of people say that storytelling is part of the sales process. But to me, it's like, okay, well, there, there's, your, there's your sales, or excuse me, there's your story. But if I'm selling you, you know, it's like, okay, well, look, this is something that, like, um, you know, let's say the the brand that is is being built you know it's like okay well anyone can go onto this platform and do anything that's clothing related so what's different well you know we want to take the the people who don't know how to put together something that looks good and we also want to have something that is kind of merchandise that's tied to that but not just merchandise like say 
if there's a YouTube channel that you like or a streamer that you like where you're taking their likeness, you're taking the, the name of the show, which is really common nowadays, or let's say a sports team, take the Chicago Bulls, so you get your Chicago Bulls logo, you put it on a shirt, you put the person's name on the back, you put the, the numbers on the back, very little design outside of the obvious design aspects that go into that. It's not very avant-garde, it's pretty, pretty vanilla, pretty run-of-the-mill, but yet I'm sure generates a crap ton of profits because of what it represents. So it's supposed to be a little bit different because it represents a brand, but it also, each design is supposed to be a standalone design. And so that is there and we won't hard pitch or hard close people on the designs because that's generally not how e-commerce works. But what we will do is push the idea of what makes it unique and what makes us worthy of being the people that you'll buy your shirt from. Because if you spend some time doing this type of work, uh, you start to realize you know, that people, there is a percentage of people that are just going to go for the Chicago Bulls shirt and they don't really want to buy your shirt that is, let's say, something that is supposed to be kind of funny or a little edgy. You know, maybe they'll have one shirt that's like that or maybe they just don't. Maybe they buy specific brands that kind of identify them to a specific tribe or uh, convey a specific idea which is really often the case when it comes to designer brands. You know, you're buying into the exclusivity. And they also do have a uh, pretty storied design aspect to them and uh, history as well. So how can we help that person? Well, we're also a wealth of knowledge, and we want to make fashion more accessible, especially for people who either are not part of the normal ensemble of of folks that make up the fashion world, but also speaking specifically towards the group that I, I would identify as men, and whether they identify with that or not, if they do, then that's who we're talking to. And even if they don't, it's still a category of people who maybe feel a little bit disenfranchised from the fashion world, which has historically been men. And so if we can put put men into that situation more, then that's what we're doing that's, that's uh, unique. And also we're the apple of edgy graphic tees. So everything you know about Apple, the brand, we, we want to communicate that through our, our designs of our t-shirt. But that is the ideal, and that's the target to, sh- you know, shoot the arrows at. And maybe one day it'll manifest itself that way but for now you know I want to tell you 
and so you know that that's an example of of sales type of talk it's not really a story it's more of just a uh, conceptualization so let me tell you another story and it's about a person who now works where I work although they haven't been there for a while for personal reasons and uh, they've helped me a lot um, in the legal sphere because they are uh, an attorney um, helped me like tremendously and um, it is a younger woman and um, mentioned to her one time you know, I picked up, I went, the first day I realized I wanted to pivot into the world of fashion, I picked up a few fashion magazines. I got a Vogue magazine, I got an L magazine, E-L-L-E. And everything in that magazine was for women by women. You know, it assumed that the, the readers, the readership was, was female. And I'm assuming that that's a, a pretty spot on assumption. And that's also what you notice a lot when you look at even fashion, um, like fashion programming. For example, you know, I have a course that teaches fashion design, and it doesn't talk at all about men. It doesn't talk about how to wardrobe men. And I find that extremely interesting. And so that is something that jokingly you know i tell have told people that you know i've been a man my entire life and i have these other interests as well um there's a substack article that i wrote that i mentioned how i just recently remembered this idea that i had when i was younger that i wanted to design women's shoe wear for some reason and then i also thought that maybe i could one day be a fashion designer and that was something that was really real to me. And then I started going down these creative pathways. And I started to realize that, you know, there's differences among the ranks. So, for example, there's an entire group of men that say, I can't dance because it's feminine and I don't, it's foreign to them. They say, I don't even know, my body won't even move like that. When to me, that's something that is it's integrated and it's it's second nature really at this point i even took dance classes as a kid not by choice but i did enjoy them and dancing is something that has always come natural to me so even as a man as uh, i identify there are people that would also identify in the same way as i do that are not anywhere near in the in the same realm when it comes to temperament when it comes to interests but Here's what's unique and here's what's key is that even if you'd say, well, I'm not really into fashion as a man or even as a woman, I don't care what I wear. That's still a fashion decision. The choice to not care about your fashion or accept the fact that you're going to walk outside of your, your house because you're not going to walk out naked. You could, but you won't. Even, you know, um, 
not hypothetically, but you could think about it, but even if you did do it, it, it would be a crime. And so you probably won't do it, especially not the rest of your life. You know, and even if you didn't wear clothes, that's still a fashion deci decision. Because you're deciding on the lack of clothes entirely. Which is actually a pretty bold statement, and I would applaud anyone. But from the time that you're born, all the way, give or take, you know, you hit three, you hit four, you're wearing clothes. You're a baby, you're wearing whatever those onesies are. And so even if you decide, I don't know fashion, I don't care about fashion, I like things that are comfortable, or you see things that have something on them that you know, like a football team or a brand, which is very interesting. And you say, well, I'll just wear this, you know, I don't really care. You know, I've always worn, worn Converse shoes, so I'm just going to wear Converse. I know my size, you know, I know how much they cost. I know what they signify. Right. All fashion decisions. Now, if you want to take it to the next level, or even you just see this as a means of creative, creative uh, expression, then there are also different things that go into that. Just like if you were thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'm going to pick up painting or I'm going to pick up writing. There are a ton of technical aspects that you can learn. There's the history. There's the different, like, let's say painting, you know, there's the history of that, which is, I mean, that's even more storied than fashion design. It's ridiculous because I had to take art history and I failed both of them. So I had to retake them, which I actually enjoyed So, we are offering the juicy carrot, right? And it's still being fleshed out, but that's what I got to work on today. And uh, hopefully it's something that will, be, will uh, have the effect that we're anticipating. And so, that is a summation of what it is that this project um, seeks to identify itself as brand-wise. And, you know, speaking directly to people that maybe are like me or maybe are not like me, but they maybe identify in the same way that I do. Or maybe it is someone who is or identifies as the opposite sex, you know, they'll say, I'm a woman. Well, there's still something here that we can share. And really, at the end of the day, that's a love for design, an eye for design, a love for creativity, creative expression, and a love of the basic design elements of art, which will manifest themselves in your dress um, to varying, 
varying degrees. And so, whatever you identify as, I'm glad you're here. And there's a lot more to come. So I want to thank you for listening in and uh, getting that update. And believe me, there's I can't wait to get it out. Um, and um, I, I wish that I could put all my time and all my effort into it. But, you know, for anyone that does anything that's creative, they they know that there's a the tyrant and the subjugated in that relationship. So if you have a deadline for something that's due tomorrow and you haven't, you, let's say you sat down a few times and you're like, man, it's just not coming to me or yeah, I've done like three drafts of it and they were all garbage so I threw them out. Well, your deadline's tomorrow and that's the way that this industry would work. It won't work at the behest of your creative, um, your creative surges. You know, there's hard deadlines. There are hard deadlines. And so what do you do? Well, you sit down. You know, as like um, some writers I know, some salespeople I know, you just, you put your butt in chair. Put the butt in the chair. And you start somewhere. And yeah, just like any other thing, just like a sport where you have hot, hot days, you know, and you have days where everything misses. Some days it comes without any effort and it's your best work, you know, and other days you like grind it out and you put a lot of time, put a lot of effort into it. And then someone will see it and say, wow, that's, that's, this is really, there's a lot going on. That's a real big one that I think a lot of people might run into the more they stay at something like this. There, Well, there's just a lot going on here. It's like, yeah, that's the time and effort that I put into it. <laughs> that you're taking a big old, you know, what on. And you could try to, like, justify it. Like, well, you know, have you seen P- Picasso Guernica? There's a lot going on there. Um, but at the end of the day, your audience is your, is your, it's the end-all be-all. And that's why... I'm not an artist. That's why I got into graphic design and why I got into marketing design because at the end of the day, someone can say, well, I don't really like Guernica, which is a, I would say, it's like my, I would say it's my favorite Picasso painting. Not that I am like a, you know, go around picking favorite paintings of, of artists, but you know, if you look at enough art, you start to find out what it is that you like. Maybe someone looks at that and for some reason they don't see the, the um the hits of the sublime you know that that good art can evoke that good music can evoke and so it doesn't resonate with them but when it comes to marketing advertising maybe even sales copy there's a measurable result. And that result is, did it convert? And at the end of the day, that is where your bread is buttered. 
But also, if that doesn't work, you can just hit them with some really good sales copy. So again, I want to thank you. Keep your eyes peeled for a big, fat, juicy carrot. And I hope you have a an amazing night. And if you're feeling isolated, do yourself a go out and, and do a little experiment and go talk to someone and see how long you can go for before running out. <laughs> it's a pretty, that's a bad, uh, that's a really cool, um, that's a cool experiment. Go and try it and see what happens. See what reveals you, you to yourself. And so stay tuned for updates because we got a carrot on the way. <laughs>